So what B.J. Palmer means by don't be a yellow line chiropractor is the, like saying stay in your lane, right? Stay in your lane. So and here's a perfect example. So yesterday we had a mom bringing her two girls and um, one of the girls has this kind of skin condition and one of this girl, one of the girls has this allergy condition and she went to uh, an allergist for both of them and the allergist says, oh, there's nothing wrong with one of them, there's no allergies, right? But does that mean that there's nothing wrong, right? And so they, they, these, these people dismissed these, this mom saying, we well, can't find anything going on with these kids because they did an allergy test and an allergy test alone will only see if someone has allergies, but they don't see if someone has sensitivities. So I said, have you done a sensitivity test on the girls? No. Well, that's the step. She said, that's why I came to see you. Right? Because as she, this is a quote from her, she said, the pediatrician and the ENTs and allergists don't know anything about this kind of stuff. All they were, all they wanted to do was, is there an allergy? Is that an allergy to be a fine? Right? <clears throat> so my lane is to say, okay, they did their work over there on their side of the highway, now it's time to do my work on my side of the highway. Right? And what so another suggestion that I gave them on is now we also have to look at their diets, see what they're eating. She said, wow, I never thought of that. I said, yeah, exactly. We have to see what they're eating because maybe what they're eating is, you know, that creates allergies, that creates skin conditions. Maybe so we have to look at what they're eating. She said, why didn't they suggest this? I don't know why they didn't suggest this. I have no idea why they didn't suggest it. They didn't because they didn't. That's why you're here now. <clears throat> so that's what I think BJ was talking about when he talks about being on the yellow line. And then I read this article here. I, one of the things I love doing is I love going into some uh, magazines and uh, high-level newspapers and finding articles that are really health-related and then spinning them into something chiropractic. So this was an article from um, The Atlantic uh, magazine. And its title is, Why More and More Girls Are Hitting Puberty Early. A pandemic era rise in early puberty may help some physicians better understand its causes. So I'm looking at this, and it says here, according to recent studies, 18% of white girls, 31% of Hispanic girls, and 43% of black girls enter early puberty by age eight. That's 30% of girls are that, which is one out of every three girls is entering early puberty. <clears throat> And the rise is not just in the United States, uh, according to this, it's all over the country, all over the world. Germany, uh, Turkey have reported rises, um, South Korea has reported uh, rises occurring all over the world. Um, and what's very interesting is even though there has been a slight rise in those born as men, girls experiencing early puberty still vastly outnumber boys. The problem with that is that early mature girls are very much developing obesity, breast cancer, the source of depression and a range of behavioral issues. So, and then, which I thought was really fascinating, is it said, where did the pubertal developmental stages come from? Like, the whole, all the stages that you guys you know, learn in, in classes and stuff. And it actually came from a study in London from 1949 to 1971 in a home for orphaned and neglected children. That's where they came up with this stuff from. 
And it came, so, it, so and a paper, two papers were published in 1969. Uh, and the average uh, age of kids hitting puberty at that time in this particular place, where you know of this orphan children, this potential for abuse, was 11 years old. That stood for about 20 or 30 years. And then in 1997, in the Journal of Pediatrics, another study was conducted. And they found that girls, uh, girls especially, started puberty between nine and 10 years old. So already, from 1969 to 1997, it had dropped a year or so. <clears throat> and they're trying, now they're trying to figure out, because now it's actually doubling. So now it's 30%. So it went from, you know, small, like uh, 11 years old to 10 years old, and now early puberty is, hit, is going eight years old. And they're, they're finding there's three main factors, stress, uh, endocrine disrupting hormones, and body mass index are the three main factors that seem to relate to this. Um, and what's important about this is, is that in terms of stress, and we've been, I've been talking about this in my advanced class especially, um, one in three kids today in a 2021 study reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. We have a huge crisis on our hands. If you're wondering why you should be a pediatric chiropractor, read articles like this. It's going to tell you why. Because what is happening is we're watching the change in the brains of our children. We're watching how children are not growing up the way they used to. <clears throat> we're watching how they are being affected by things that you guys, as when you guys were growing up as kids, were never affected. You know, I think you sold. You guys didn't have cell phones at eight years old, I don't think, probably not. Because, uh, let's see, you guys were born in the 90s. Yeah, so probably not cell phones, but we saw it hit until 2007, so, so maybe you guys were like 10, 12, something like that. So, cell phones really didn't, you know, were, were not a big thing in your time. iPads obviously weren't a big thing. So, we're watching a big change because of electronics, we're watching a big change because of stress. The pandemic created a lot of extra stress that people still aren't undoing. Now here's the questions that I have been thinking about when I think about this early puberty thing. So if a, if a, a person hits early puberty, uh, and they're a female, does that mean they can hit early menopause? That's just something that hasn't been studied yet, right? Because if something turns on three or four years earlier, right, does that mean it's gonna turn off three or four years earlier? Because, and why I'm saying that is because I'm seeing a lot of women now Hitting, puberty, uh, hitting menopause between like 40 and 45 years old, which used to be like 50 years old, 50, 55 years old. So I'm starting to wonder, is this a relationship going on here? <clears throat> Another thing that is said in this paper, one of the last statements that I wanted to read up to you, was this, this is a quote from somebody at Duke, saying, we're cognizant of trying not to medicalize things that are a normal part of life. Early puberty is early, but it's still normal in most cases. That's just like saying primitive reflexes are totally normal uh, and are supposed to be happening even though the kid is 10 years old. No, they're not. The brain works in very, very specific ways. If it's not working, if something turns on three years before it's supposed to turn on, something's wrong. Just the same way, if primitive reflexes are supposed to turn off at a year, and like these two girls yesterday, and both had primitive reflexes, and one is three, and one is six or seven, something is wrong. 
Right? So what we're doing, and I've said this before, is, is not we as a chiropractor, but we as in our society, we're normalizing pathology. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Eight years old. No big deal. No big deal. And to me, this is just like, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, you probably heard this from my wife, um, but they changed the milestones, right? Right, did she talk about that? They changed the milestones in February. This is the same kind of malarkey that they're doing. They changed the milestones, now pushing, walking up, and pushing, talking up, and getting rid of crawling because they're normalizing pathology. So now they're saying, oh, don't worry about it, yeah. Early puberty, normal. Like, let's make everything normal. What's the, so, so now I, my thought is what's really going to happen out of the research studies that I'm talking about is now they're going to change from puberty is. Right? So that, that puberty has been, you know, from this age to this age, but they're going to lower it down just to make the people who are having early puberty feel okay about it. Just the same way, I don't know if you guys realize this, but when I was here in school back in the 80s, they changed diabetes. So type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes. When I was in school, so many they found so many kids like under age 10 were getting diabetes that they said we've got to change the name of this because an eight-year-old doesn't want to be known as having adult onset diabetes. So they changed it to type 2 diabetes instead of, instead of uh, adult onset diabetes. Because that's what they're doing. They're just changing it just, just to make people feel better so that they don't feel as abnormal. And then they're not talking about this. So if a person is going through puberty, regardless of whether born as a male or born as a female, what happens to their mental state? Are they as happy and you know free-spirited and everything as they were before? No, they get depressed, they get anxious, etc. Right? And now we're talking. We're thinking about this. I just mentioned the, the CDC study from 2021 saying like 30, 40 percent of, of high schoolers are, and, uh, are reporting uh, feeling depressed and feeling anxious and feeling hopeless, etc. Do you think there's a relationship that now they're having three or four more years of puberty, right, and it's percolating in their system, so it's creating more anxiety, it's creating more depression. What do you think that's going to cause? What's more anxiety and depression going to cause? More prescription medication for it. Right? Do you see the brilliance in doing this? Right? So if, if you know, if you're a drug company and you notice this, you say, wow, here's an opportunity. We'll normalize it and then we'll drug it. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. So, you know, when we're talking about these sort of things, it really makes me stronger and stronger in my conviction as to why it is that we have such a huge job to do because if I, let, let's just say we look at these two young <coughs> uh, girls that I worked on yesterday. <coughs> what happens if at age <coughs> two and a half or three or six years old <coughs> and they have persistent retained print reflexes, what if that's already the sign that there's a malfunction in their brain? And what if by adjusting them and having them do functional neurological exercises, what if by adjusting them and having them do exercises, that changes their brain, and they were headed towards potential early puberty, just as a thought process, and now we adjust them and they don't have that, and they have puberty at a normal time, right? And that's the thing I really want you guys to, to think about, is, and this, this is an impossible thing to study, because we can't have a double-blind kind of a thing, 
But what I really like looking at is what doesn't happen to my patient because they're getting adjusted. Forgetting about the great things that happen because they are. Wow, the child who was you know, on the spectrum is now talking. Wow, that's so cool. The child who has ADHD no longer needs real. That's so awesome. <clears throat> but what about the things that don't happen to them because they're getting adjusted? I don't know how we can measure this, but I think this is it. If you look at a typical chiropractic population, you look at the kids that I take care of, that your mentors are <coughs> taking care of, you look at them, you're going to see that those kids are healthier than the average. Why is that? What is that? <clears throat> and my hypothesis is that we are making sure that brains and nervous systems are working when they're supposed to. You know, I had a mom yesterday come in, she brought her five-day-old baby. I've been adjusting this mom for like four years or so, and then she happened to get pregnant. And she came in yesterday with her five-day-old, <clears throat> and she said, first off, my whole labor was really short. This was the smoothest labor I've ever had. <clears throat> and her first one while I can't really care. <clears throat> she said she pushed for like 10 minutes. That was her whole pushing stage, which was way, way, way less than the other three. Uh, she said, I can account for I cannot account for this in any other way except the chiropractor. There's no other explanation that I can think of. Um, and I look at this, and what was really cool is taking a look at her daughter, practically no subluxation. Right. So, so not only did it help the mom during her pregnancy and during her labor, it also helped the baby, right? Because if the baby is in a good fetal position because the mom's pelvis is square, then isn't that going to be better for the baby in the long run? And if a mom's got a healthy nurse system going into the placenta, wouldn't that be better for the baby's growth? Right? So think of the long-term ramifications that we have. <coughs> To adjust these pregnant mamas, to adjust these babies, to adjust these kids, it's a lot more <clears throat> than a lot of you are being taught, which is to fix the immediate problem. Right? When a person comes into your office, it is not the immediate problem that really needs to be solved. It's the connection to their brain and nervous system. The immediate problem is nice to work on because we want to make sure that they are working at 100%, but after that, it's the long-term chiropractic effects that to me are so important. And to have a mama <coughs> say something like that you know, to me yesterday, and, and, and to see this little baby practically no such, you know, a little sacral deviation, that was it. That's super cool, right? Because when I'm adjusting the mom, as she's pregnant, I'm affecting the baby. And I can see that because moms who come in with their newborns who are having all kinds of issues, and they haven't been adjusted, those babies are not the same. They have a lot more subluxations, a lot more issues, right? So, and once again, I know we can't study this, because you can't, you can't study, say, well, this person wasn't adjusted, this person wasn't, or how would you separate this out, you know, in an IRB? But I'm telling you, this is what I've been seeing over the years. 